morning. I didn't expect this snow, but uh, it's pretty. We haven't had much this year. Okay. Now the title of this is The Three Angels' Messages Revisited because we've been given this message for 175 years and it hasn't been given right yet because he hasn't come. So let's just take a look at a few things here. Now in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, we hear Jesus say, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of the Father, which is in heaven. So how could that happen? Now, in Isaiah, it seems like it may not quite relate, but this is what it says. Isaiah 11, verses 6 through 9. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them, and the cow and the bear shall feed, the young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the sucking child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrices, or the cobra's den, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. Why? For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. So, because the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the, of the Lord as the waters cover the seas, we have this peaceful earth that God gave us, this paradise. So what's the knowledge of the Lord that brings about this condition and maintains it? Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Do you understand God? Do you know him? Do you, do you hate the way he wants you to hate? Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and the evil way in the froward mouth do I hate. Do you hate pride? Do you hate arrogancy? The evil way to do things. Uh, Proverbs 14.12 says, There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Do you hate speaking untrue things? Remember what the fool does in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Does our pride ever get in the way of us receiving instruction such that we don't carry out that instruction? When it does, we despise wisdom. In Proverbs 14.6-8, it says, A scorner seeketh wisdom and doesn't find it. But knowledge is easy to him that understandeth. Go from the presence of a foolish man, when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Now, which way are you going in life? Seeking daily to know God, to understand his will for you, or as the fool that despises wisdom and instruction? The three angels' messages are instructions. 
In the first angel's message, we're introduced to fear God. We are instructed to hate pride, hate arrogancy, to hate the evil way to do things, and to hate the froward mouth, to hate speaking misleading things. No joking, no jesting, but only straightforward, easy to understand truth. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of us knowing God, Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of growing wise, Proverbs 9.10. Solomon summed up life as, quote, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work, everything we've done, into judgment with every secret thing, which, um, whether it be good or whether it be evil. And that's the way Ecclesiastes ends with verse 12, 13. Now, we're going to come into judgment, as the first angel's message tells us. Every secret thing, whether good or evil, will be reviewed by God. Have your evil ways been forgiven? While the sanctuary is still open and Jesus is still offering his death as an atonement for the death we deserve for our evil, rebellious behaviors against God's way to do things, are you confessing your sins? As for me, I keep it simple. I say, Lord, I've been a fool, but I don't want to go there anymore. Keep me on the straight and narrow. I focus on going forward in purity of heart. David said, try me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. My part is taking care, I mean, my past is taken care of. I trust in Jesus' sacrifice. It's my future I don't trust, because every day is a new day to sin. I don't waste my time going over my past. It's pride and arrogance and evil way and the forward mouth that I pray not to be deceived by. To keep clean each day is far harder than to have my past sins forgiven. Now fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. Giving glory to God daily, what does it look like? Obviously, it's not behaving pridefully or arrogantly or doing things my way, contrary to God's way, or speaking to glorify myself rather than God. But what do I do in place of not doing those things? What can I do that gives glory to God? Remember. Actions speak louder than words. Well, in Testimonies, Volume 6, 191, it says, God bestows his gifts upon us. That's our talents, our money, our possessions, our strength, our ability to speak words of comfort or, or uplifting or encouraging words. God bestows his gifts upon us that we, we may minister to others and thus become like him. Now, isn't that what we're trying to achieve in life, becoming like Jesus? It continues, those who receive his gifts that they may impart to others. And why does God give us anything? It's only so we have something to give. The poorest person on earth is one who has nothing to give. Those who receive his gifts that they may impart to others become like Christ. It is in helping and uplifting others that we become ennobled and purified. Now, isn't this the sanctification we're looking for to be among the 144,000? It is in helping and uplifting others that we become ennobled and purified. This is the work 
that causes glory to flow back to God. So thus the angel's message, give glory to God. We see what it is. We see what we need to do. Give glory to God. The first angel's message tells us this. This is the work that causes glory to flow back to God. Now this work of helping, these activities of caring, this behavior of Christ weeds out pride, arrogancy, the evil way, and the froward mouth. So keep actively focusing on what you can do for others around you, your spouse, your children, your neighbors, your relatives, those you see daily. Keep the thought ever before you, how may I be of service? When Susie and I were traveling across the country uh, with our seven children, we had a station wagon that sat nine, and we were pulling a, a light a trailer. Um, it was actually a uh, boat trailer that I had built a box on, and we had all this stuff in it. And we camped at a campground in Ohio, and then that morning we left, and it was in back country, and we came to a wooden railroad bridge, and it went up, flattened, and went down. And I went up, and the car went like that, and when the trailer hitch came down, it just bent almost to the ground. So we limped it into this small town and pulled it into a parking lot. I got everybody out, so stand on the back. I'm going to try to jack the, the uh, frame up and try to bend it. And this older fellow comes up to me and says, how may I be of service? And so I showed him what was going on, and he said, I'm, I'm just a short ways over there. Uh, come on over to my shop. So I went over there, and he was an, a farmer uh, who went into industry, and uh, he had his tractor there, so he took the front end bucket, and he bent up the uh, frame, straightened it out, and then he got some angle iron, and he got some bolts out, and he drilled through it, and by the time he was finished, that frame was stronger than it was before I started. And as he's doing these things, I thought, well, I'll give him a great controversy. So I, I gave it to him, and he put it down on the barrel and continued doing some things. And then he said, I put it down on the barrel, but I'm going to read that. And so we went on our way after he finished things up. And a year later, I thought, I'm going to give him a call. So I gave him a call, and he told me that was a wonderful book. I'm the elder of my church, head elder of my church, and I have shown it to everybody to read this book. So I thought, well, I should send him Desire of Ages. So I sent them Desire of Ages, and about a year or so later, year and a half later, we were going to go back that way, so I thought, I'll give him a call and see, see what's up. And so I called, and I got his wife, and I asked for him, and she said, who is this? And I said, I told her who I was, and she said, he died six months ago. He said, but he got your book, and he gave it to everybody in the church and everyone he knew. He thought that was the most wonderful book. So you see what it's like for a person who develops the behavior to serve others, they are so open to truth. It has a transforming way about us to be of service. Now in Christ's object lesson uh, 384, there's a statement describing when the Christian character is complete. Now, isn't this what we're striving for, to be among the 144,000, the perfect representatives of Jesus, the perfect ones who will quickly bring this work on earth to a close? And, and we read about that in Christ's Object Lesson, page 69, how when the character of Christ is perfectly reproduced in his people, then he will come. 
Now, the, this is the statement. The completeness of Christian character is attained when? So now we see we can know when we are perfectly like Christ. The completeness of Christian character is attained when the impulse to help and bless others springs constantly from within. Then we're perfectly like Christ. Then we know we've got one, one of those 144,000. So how do you be amongst the 144,000? By constantly looking to serve, to give, to minister, to help others. Now, why must we recognize God as the creator that made heavens, the earth, the seas, and the fountains of waters? I, I hope you see that I'm going through the first angel's message. Fear God, give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who created the heavens, the earth, the seas, and all that's in them, and the fountains of waters. Now, how does that help us to worship God, to know that he's the creator? So what is worship? What we do on Sabbath, then six days of the week we don't worship him? Remember, first things first, fear God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The knowledge that when it fills the earth gives us a paradise restored. Isn't that what we're all looking for? Now, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Mankind, that's us, was instructed by God in the care of earth. He was to serve, minister to, give help to the ground's microbe populations. He was to serve, minister to, and give help to the plant kingdom. In Genesis 2, 5 through 15, mankind was to till the ground and dress the garden. The words till and dress in Hebrew are one word, abad. And abad means a work of service. Now, there's a Hebrew word for work, but it's not this word. This is a work of service. There was a work of service God gave us to do for the ground and designing a garden for our families. Mankind was taught by God to grow his food. Louder? Okay. The internet people. Okay. Okay, I'll wait till you get that in place. Okay. Mankind was taught by God to grow his food from the ground. He was taught by God to design the landscape for a homestead for his family. As the families on earth increased in numbers, they were to fill the whole earth with these landscape designs that God directed them to make. You can read about that in Education, page 22. Their care of the ground they used to grow their food was a responsibility and an obligation that God ordained for their lifestyle. Education, page 20 and 21. Just as marriage was ordained by God as a way to raise children, and the Sabbath rest was ordained by God to keep God's creatorship and rulership over us prominent in our minds, so these lifestyle activities, this work on the ground and the designing of a garden, would physically, mentally, and spiritually train us to be like God. Education, page 21. They would train us in his characteristics. Now, God designed all life's activities as a schoolroom for his people. Education, page 20. Serving the grounds, microbial livestock, by keeping greenery growing on it after we use it to grow our food. Keeping the landscape designed the way God wanted it for our homesteads trains us to be like Christ. Education, page 22. 
When Enoch had a son, that trained him in the perfect character of God. It was the birth of his son when he began to walk perfectly with God. If mankind had kept the Sabbath day holy, there would never have been a forgetting of God and our responsibilities and obligations to follow his wise instructions. There would never have been the need to call mankind back to the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The training ground of serving the soil and designing gardens, the training ground of having families and raising it in God's ordained environment, the training ground of keeping the Sabbath day holy was God's ordained lifestyle for us to train us to be like Christ. Since the first angel's message is calling all mankind back to that lifestyle, obviously we've fallen from it. Marriage needs to be made holy again. The Sabbath rest needs to be made holy again. Our lifestyle of ground service and the service of landscape designing needs to be made holy again. The call to come out of Babylon Quote, that great city that has fallen and made all nations drink of the wine of her fornication is the call back to God's lifestyle. How to physically live on this planet, how to mentally train young minds, how to spiritually keep God before us. Physically, mentally, and spiritually, God has a lifestyle way for us to live. He has a way to worship. He has a way to enact laws for the good of all. He has a way to train our children to behave like Christ. He has a way to serve our fellow man, not trade and barter with him, but to open our hands wide and carry, care for the poor because we physically live the lifestyle of abundant food, clothing, and shelter. Living God's lifestyle is worship. It's bending the knee in obedience to the instructions he gave us to live by. God wants us to submit to him. He wants to guide our physical activities, our mental activities, and our spiritual activities. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. We don't want God to say, I never knew you. Then he will have to explain to us how it was in the needy all around us that we neglected him. We neglected to live the lifestyle he ordained, serving our land, serving our families, serving God. God wants to control our lives physically, mentally, and spiritually. Amen. Babylon wants to control our lives physically, mentally, and spiritually. Which one is going to restore the Edenic pleasure and delight God gave us in the beginning? Knowing God, is obeying his instructions for our lifestyle. Knowing God requires us to enter the school for physical training, mental training, and spiritual training that he has ordained for us. The book Education, the chapter of the Eden School, shows us the physical training he has ordained for us in earth care. The rest of the book shows us the mental and spiritual classrooms and more physical training for our body's health. All life is a hands-on training ground when we let God instruct us. But most people are not wise. They've let Satan's system train them. They have not liked God's instructions. The term Babylon comprises all the ways Satan has trained mankind to manifest his character. The Babylonian Empire established forced, wish, 
forced worship. You can read about that in Daniel 3. The papacy killed heretics. The Protestants cut off ears and noses. The Islamics cut off heads. Other religions have driven people from among them, if not killed them, who differed. Now, although God gave laws through Moses for our lifestyle, Medo-Persia created laws to rule everyone, laws that allowed killing for the uncooperative ones. Think of Daniel in the lion's den. God made laws for peace and harmony, laws that resulted in curses for the uncooperative and peace, harmony, and abundance for the obedience. Laws that had the punishment intertwined in it. Not laws with an arbitrary man-created punishment. Laws that had consequences built into them. Break the law of overgrazing a landscape and the topsoil washes away. Pollute your water and air and you have polluted water to drink and polluted air to breathe. Steal from your neighbor and his anger at, at defiling his right to life, liberty, and happiness has consequences. But God's laws carry with them redemption. One could redeem themselves from the cursed response. Pro properly graze an eroded landscape and vegetation comes back and topsoil is rebuilt. Stop polluting your water and air and the pollutant particles are diluted as the water goes through the hydrologic cycle and the winds circumnavigate the earth. Return fourfold what you stole and trust is renewed. I can think of your neighbor saying after you return fourfold, uh, if you ever think you gotta steal something from me, go right ahead. I don't mind the inconvenience, especially when I get fourfold. Greece taught education. Mothers taught their sons, come home with your shield or upon it. Fight to the death in war. Children are impressionable. Whatever is stamped upon their brain is hard to erase. Lynch taught slave masters to make the grandmothers who trained the children to watch as a strong manslave was ripped apart by horses pulling in opposite directions. Then they would scare the children into lifelong submission to the master. The Catholic Church said, give me a child until he is seven and we will have him for life. The fear of hell would hold them. The Jesuits taught their adherents, you are cadavers already. You have no life but to give your life whenever we call for it. God's education teaches self-sacrificing love of Jesus, who gave his life to us that our law-breaking could be redeemed. God's education teaches that the paradise he gave us can be redeemed. God's education teaches that the laws he made creation to function and operate under maintain or repair a paradise lost. God's education grows the desire in us to behave like Jesus. It teaches us to serve and minister to our fellow man. You can read Matthew 20, 26 through 28, and Mark 10, 42 through 45, where Jesus talks about that. The Romans imposed economic sanctions to fill their treasuries. Joseph and Mary had to go to Bethlehem to be taxed, even though she was great with child. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and thief before the love of Jesus moved his heart. He said, I give half of my wealth to the poor, and I will pay back fourfold all whom I have robbed. You know, when we studied that last week in Sabbath school lesson, we thought, well, the Lord doesn't mind us having wealth. No, Zacchaeus was a thief, and that other half that he kept was to pay back fourfold all the people he robbed. 
Rome established tolls to impede travel, licenses to restrict work, taxes on the sale of food, clothing, and building materials. Anything a person needed to live, they found a way to tax it. God's economy was based on law, the laws of nature. Obey the laws that govern how to grow food, fiber, and building materials, and you had abundance. Obey the laws of nature that govern the construction of fibers to cloth and building materials to houses, and you will have plenty. The Amish build the houses and barns for every new family. Mahatma Gandhi taught the people of India to weave their own cotton cloth again. Growing food God's way gives us nutrient-dense food that imparts disease resistance. Our food becomes our medicine. God says Babylon's system that provides food, clothing, and shelter has fallen. Come back to my way to live. The third angel's message is a serious matter. Receiving the mark of the beast is something that we must avoid at all costs. God's going to show no mercy when he pours out his wrath upon everyone who receives the mark of the beast. Now, it is obvious to most people who have studied Daniel and Revelation that beasts are nations, Daniel 8, 16, 20, and 21. In the angel's explanation to John, Revelation 7, 1, we have a woman which is a church riding the beast. Revelation 17.3, a church arrayed in purple and scarlet, Revelation 17.4, the scarlet of the cardinals of the Catholic Church and the purple of his bishops. Revelation 17.5 calls this union of a woman riding a beast, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and abominations of the earth, a nation church abominating the earth. Now this church nation is little understood by most people, especially Americans who have grown up with the separation of church and state. To think that a church has military power to make war and power over the economies of nations is not easy to grasp. That it has power over We would hope that direction was to prepare them for heaven. But harlots don't prepare people for heaven, church or no church. When we look at Babylon as a church, we overlook the beast that carries her. The nation called Vatican, with the smallest territory of any nation on earth, has power. Power over military forces and power over world economics. It is Vatican money that started the banking system for planet Earth, and it takes money to operate armies and control economies. The international banking system began with the Rothschild family. Five sons set up banking in England, France, the United States, Switzerland, and Germany. Their coat of arms says, Keepers of the Vatican's Treasury. This Jewish name was the perfect cover for Vatican's wealth to be used for world conquest. To think that Catholic wealth is put in the hands of Jews, or anyone for that matter, is foolish. Every penny is controlled by the church. The church buys armies with it. It controls economies with it. Just look at the history of Europe, where for centuries the kings came and kissed the feet of the popes in order to be authorized to reign. The popes issued patents to these European kings to go to foreign lands and claim them for, quote, the church and the crown. The crown means the kings were allowed to take their share of the booty after the church get its major portion. These patents issued by the popes legitimized robbing the natives of their land. They were heathen and had no rights to the ground under their feet. 
by the laws of the colonists, surveys were made, and the natives were told, you can have the land your house is on and the land where your garden is, the jungles and forests and grasslands and estuaries and rivers and lakes and seas and oceans belong to us. Ask permission or pay a fee if you want anything from them. Natives had gone to the forest to cut the trees they needed to build homes. They had fished in the waters and hunted fowl and animals wherever they needed. Now they must have a fishing license, a hunting license, an authorization to cut trees, and then pay for the lumber. But the merchants of the earth who paid the popes, like the kings paid the popes, were authorized to create shipping fleets to fish and sell the fish to the natives. The merchants were given great tracts of land to lumber the forests and to sell it to the natives and the settlers who came from the conquering nations. The merchants were given mining rights with great tracts of land. They were given grazing rights and great tracts of land. If the natives got upset over this, they were legally arrested for stealing or trespassing. Think Robin Hood and the King's Forest. If they rose up in mass, they were crushed and put on reservations. Today in Ethiopia, one and a half million natives are being forcefully relocated off of land that the government is selling in 10,000 acre plots to the Arabs and Chinese or anyone who can pay for it. Their village life of growing their own food and fiber and harvesting from nature around them is considered obsolete. The economic system of Babylon were merchants by the land, think Bill Gates, the largest farm owner in the United States, and grow food to sell the people, to people is modern living. Kings of the earth support this modern economy. And although I give you an example here of Africa, this is going on right now in Oregon. Bill and Hillary want to sell the highest grade uranium on earth to Russia, China, whoever will pay the highest price for it, but they gotta get the people off it. The people who have um, uh, grazing rights, the people who have lumber rights, and the people who have mining rights. I have a friend that lives out there, and he's told me how people have been killed to get them off, how the federal government is changing all the maps and removing all the the uh, names on all the roads so that you can't find your way around there. There aren't maps anymore. And are filling dump trucks full of stones and dumping it in this dry country on the springs to close them off so there isn't, isn't water out there. So now, where does Vatican the Beast fit in? All kings, presidents, prime ministers, etc., support their militaries with money. Look at the military budget for the United States. All merchants buy and sell using money. And whose money does the world use? For international trade to be carried out, gold and silver coins are obsolete. A currency that can be trusted by all must be put in place. This is what the Vatican created when the Rothschilds, when they set up their international banking using Vatican money. The trade between nations does not have to be like this. It takes this many potatoes to equal this much lumber for an even swap. An agreed upon currency can be used.
provided both the means. Today we interpret the word means as money, but that's not what the prophet is saying. Thus were provided both the means and the incentive for a useful, industrious, and self-supporting life. And no, no devising of men has ever improved upon that plan. To the world's departure from it is owing to a large degree the poverty and wretchedness that exists today. Ministry of Healing 183 and 184. In God's plan for Israel, every family had a home on the land with sufficient ground for tilling, and, and as we're told, no devising of men has ever improved upon that plan. The self-supporting economy that God gave to Israel was the same economy God gave Adam and Eve. Quote, to Adam and Eve was committed the care of the garden, to dress it and to keep it, Genesis 2.15. Useful occupation was appointed them as a blessing to strengthen the body, to expand the mind, and to develop the character. The book of nature, which spread its living lessons before them, afforded an exhaustless source of instruction and delight. The Garden of Eden was a representation of what God desired the whole earth to become. And it was his purpose that as a human family increased in numbers, they should establish other homes and schools. Remember I just read, the book of nature was an exhaustless source of instruction and delight. They should establish other homes and schools like the one he had given. Thus, in course of time, the whole earth might be occupied with homes and schools where the words and the works of God should be studied and where the students, that's God's people, should thus be fitted more and more fully to reflect throughout endless ages the light of the knowledge of his glory. Education page 21 and 22. The first angel's message calls for this glory to shine out of God's people, the glorious behavior of Jesus, of serving and ministering to one's fellow man, Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28. The beast economy trains in competition. The transfer of the means of living, food, clothing, and shelter, which can all be gotten from the ground in God's economy, now calls for the use of money, Vatican-controlled money. We get money from a job where usually competition is required. We compete for a job. We compete for a place in the market economy. We compete to make products. We've all felt the stress of competition to make it in Babylon's economy. Now God's glory, where a life of service is lived, serving the ground, serving the garden, serving our families, serving God by caring for the poor and needy, trains us in God's glorious behavior. Those who persist in Babylon's economic classroom of competition will have the wrath of God poured out upon them. Life is not to be one of survival. Although many view it that way, evolution has made inroads into most minds, life is to be one of delight, the delight of God's economy, uh, the, the delight God's economy imparts, delightful scenes delicious foods, melodious sounds, soothing environments, and delightful fragrances while we work for food, clothing, and shelter. God's economy provides these free. The beast economy called Babylon where money buys delight, delight that does not satisfy, God is calling us out of. Now the more we learn to live life without money, the closer we are to God's pleasing and delightful economy. The earth's delicate landscape may need repair, but God is using all his creatures to repair it. We just need to study their behavior and serve in like manner. 
Babylon's economic system centered in squeezing out all the production as you can get from the earth while putting in the least expensive care that you can so you can be competitive in the market. And the marketplace has left our earthly home in terrible condition. Loving care not only redeems the injured soil and landscape, but like the Good Samaritan says, whatever more it costs, I will pay when I come back again. A good farmer is one who leaves the land in better condition than when he found it. In God's economy, loving care is taught. Care like that of Jesus' sacrifice for our repair. It does not count the cost, but only the outcome, redemption and restoration. Now, we fell for the serpent's lie that to be like gods, we must disobey God's instructions. We are now facing the last instructions the earth is going to get. We now know evil, but we don't have to perish with it. We can work to repair earth. The work is not to accomplish the task, but to let that work train us to be like Christ. The work teaches us service, Christ's character. Now, Babylon's economy trains us in rape and pillage. God's economy trains us in loving service. Can you see why God is calling his people out of Babylon's economy? Why he must destroy it? It's destroying our planet home, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the land that grows our food that we eat, and our fiber for clothes and trees for shelter all need loving care to repair. Which economy are you going to support? Many people have been so long enslaved in Babylon's economy, both mentally and physically, that the call to come out of Babylon's economy is considered crazy. They can't see how it can be done. Tens of thousands of non-Christians see the handwriting on the wall and are leaving that economy and developing God's economy for their families, a home in the country. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Will being afraid to come out of Babylon excuse some people? Revelation 21.8 says, The fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable shall have their part in the lake that burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, it's always customary to end a sermon with words that are uplifting. The closest we get to that is, Be patient while you keep the commandments of God and have the faith that God will see you through this. Revelation 14.12 but the next verse tells us, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Then chapter 14, which contains these three last messages to a doomed world, describes the harvest of the wicked. And if you continue on in the other chapters, you'll see, read more about that, especially the 16th, which is the total destruction of the wicked. Our hope precedes these three last messages of warning to earth, and that's in Revelation 14, 1 through 5. It's about the 144,000 who have God's behavior imprinted upon their brains. They constantly think, how may I be of service? Remember, quote, God bestows his gifts upon us that we may minister to others and thus become like him. Those who receive his gifts that they may impart to others become like Christ. It is in helping and uplifting others that we become ennobled and purified. This is the work that causes glory to flow back to God. 
The completeness of Christian character is attained when the impulse to help and bless others springs constantly from within. Let's pray. Lord, you have a training ground for your people. You have instructed us to come back to school, the school that builds your character in us. Lord, help us to not be foolish, but to be wise and fill ourselves with a knowledge of you. Thank you.